We take our journey this morning to the Old Testament writings of 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. And for the sake of time, I'm going to just go to the verse that I want to uh, really draw your attention to today. Verse 6 and 7. Hezekiah has assumed the reign of the kingdom, God's people, and it was, it was in very desperate plight. And as a young man, just 25 years of age, he assumed the role of leader and he began to make changes. Verse 6 says, For our fathers have trespassed, And done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Also they have shut up, notice, they have shut up the doors of the porch that leads to the house of God. And worse than that, they have put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as you see with your eyes. Amen. Because somebody put the light out in the house. Of the Lord, Amen. I don't even, I don't even know what to call this. You title it whatever you want to, but I feel the Lord is probably going to be a continuation. I don't think I'll get through it all today, but God help me to speak to you from my heart. Lord, we love you. We are most thankful for every blessing. We are undeserving of them all, but you have been rich toward all of us. God, we live in such a desperate time that we cannot afford to let one service go by without gaining some strength and becoming more empowered by the the Holy Ghost. We need it. We need it so desperately. And I pray today that you would take the simple words of my mind and my mouth and use them and anoint them to touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. We journey back to antiquity this morning to gather up a word for our times. A needed message for the hour in which we are presently living. Though years have removed us and the message uh, perhaps of the day is different than the message of that day. There is a message that transcends cultural times and differences. And that is the clear message of what happened to people when the light went out. It was an extremely dark hour, and I do not say that in any kind of facetious way, but it was extremely dark for God's people to live in. Hezekiah had assumed the throne of his father Ahaz. 
And though Ahaz was a son of David, he was a man who did not follow the God of David. But the Bible says of Ahaz that he did wickedly and he chose his spiritual moorings by the surroundings in which he lived. If you read the story of Ahaz, it is a sad picture of of our culture right now. He was the man who looked at the enemy. He looked at the Philistines, and if he saw the Philistines prosper, then he went after their God to, to try to gain favor from the gods of the Philistines because they had been advanced or they had been blessed. And so his record was he moved from place to place. There was no real focus of worship in his life. It was just whatever was convenient and whatever came. And as a result of that, the times had become exceedingly wicked and vile. And the people of God had drifted with this attitude and this spirit into a deep spiritual darkness. And all that it takes for a nation to be corrupted is for the leadership to become silent or for the leadership to check the wind, to see which way the wind's blowing, to determine what stand they're going to take on an issue or what matter they're going to defend on any particular day. And Hezekiah had come to a a community of people and a nation that was in peril. Hezekiah encountered, when he stepped into the leadership of that nation, a, an extremely sad and pitiful sight. The nation was in peril on many sides. First of all, it was in peril physically because at this time, though God under David had given them deliverance and had given them victory over their enemy because of the weakness of their of Ahaz. They were now surrounded. It didn't matter where they turned, if it was to the north or the south, the east or the west. There was an enemy that was resurrected and had began to encroach upon their land and was constantly tormenting them and torturing them. And so they were surrounded physically by destructive forces that in time, if something did not change, they would certainly overcome God's people. But that was not the only peril they were in. They were in peril socially because the fabric of that society, the moral fabric of that city and that country had so depreciated that it was now almost unspeakable to think of the things that were going on. Even Ahaz himself, the book of Chronicles tells us, brought his own children before the fire of Molech and the other gods of the heathens and offered many of them as human sacrifices to appease the God. And so socially there was this degeneration and morality was at an all-time low. There were things that went on under the guise of religion that would make you sick to your stomach. The thing that went on and the immorality that took place under the guise of some kind of so-called spiritual environment. The, 
the fabric of that society was unraveling. It was tattered and it was about to be completely gone. But I think by far the most telling peril that they were in was spiritually. Spiritually they were in peril because this is what it says of Ahaz. In Second Chronicles 28 and 24 it says, And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem to every imaginable God and deity that you could imagine. And so he describes in vivid detail the ruin of that place and where it really started and what began it all. The greater problem was on the inside, as always. It was not just an outward thing or an external force that was tearing their nation apart, but it was internally. And what I have learned in my few short years of living and in my limited wisdom is that that's where really all of our serious problems begin. They always are internally. They are situations that go on in us. They are things that we allow ourselves to be duped into thinking or believing or we allow ourselves to drift into because there is no spiritual sight or vision. It's not so much what is happening around us that affects us it is what we allow to happen in us and to us that really is determining the outcome of the story. And so many times people allow the surroundings in which they live to overwhelm them. I just want to tell somebody here today that ever how dark it may get around us, if we keep a light burning, the darker the night, the lighter and brighter the light's going to be. I'm not overwhelmed by what I live in right now. I am impressed by the power of the Holy Ghost to move in any situation and move under any circumstance and make a difference. And all it takes is one man that will stand up and decide to do different. Man, the greatest problem was on the inside because of what Israel had allowed to happen in them and to them. There was a spiritual degeneration. Perhaps the most significant words to me that describe the situation are the words of our text. And it says, and they have put out the lamps. I cannot imagine a church without light. I cannot imagine a church without some kind of form or ability to see. And yet that's what happened to this country, this people, this city, this nation. You see, the lamps of the Lord were vital to the worship experience of the child of God. And if you go back way back in antiquity, the lamps were a vital part of the tabernacle experience. And they were the command of God that his tabernacle, his place of worship was to be one that was always lighted. And this is what he commanded Israel in Exodus 25 and 37. And he said, And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, 
And they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. Exodus 37 and 8 says, And Aaron shall burn their own sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. And Leviticus 24 and 2, he said, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. God's purpose for those lamps were to give light, but they were also to continually burn in that place of worship. And there were priests who were assigned the duty of dressing those lamps daily, in the morning and in the evening. It was essential that the light must never go out in the tabernacle of the Lord. And vigilance was impressed upon them. The sacred lamps must always glow and there must always be a light. It cannot be allowed to flicker or burn low. You've got to trim it. You've got to keep the globe clean so that when people come to worship, they will have light to worship by. Amen. The plight of the people could best be summed up in the sad words of that text. And they had put out the light. The lights had gone out. And when the light goes out here, when the light goes out in your spiritual life, the effect is seen everywhere in every other part of your life. If this light ever grows dim, there is no telling what will happen out there. Amen. When this light is allowed to flicker or be less bright than it ought to be, then there is no telling what will happen with the rest of your life. For when the light goes out here, soon everything else in your life will be in darkness as well. And I am moved by the plight of the spiritual condition of that land. But I tell you what really moves me this morning is a man who decided to make a difference and make a stand. I am more encouraged this morning by what I have read here in my scripture than by anything else that is going on. Because the surroundings of this young man seem to have been unfavorable in an extreme measure about what was going to happen. But he changed the destiny of people and he altered the times in which he lived. He was the son of a degenerate and wicked man. He was brought up in the court of corruption. And yet, as men might think, like father, like son, somewhere Hezekiah decided, you know what, this is not helping us be the people God wants us to be. And here in this one man's life is proof, just one life, just one person deciding, you know what, I am not living in this darkness anymore. I am not allowing it to invade my family or my home or my mind or my spirit. 
I am not living another day in these situations in which you can't tell brightness from darkness or you can't tell color from color because the light has become so dim. I can't tell right from wrong. I can't discern good from evil. I am not going to allow my life to stay in that situation any longer. And he said it was one man who stood up no matter how bad the situation might be, no matter how tremendous the moral imbalance might be. No life is allowed by God to be without access to grace if they desire it. Amen. And so in the times in which we live that have become so morally degenerate that I'm embarrassed sometimes to call myself an American. I'm embarrassed at what I know is coming tomorrow and what we as a nation and a people are embracing more and more and accepting and we are growing used to it. We are getting accustomed to it. And we are coming to the place where it doesn't shock us anymore. It doesn't offend us anymore. It doesn't make us feel like something is unclean. We just look at it and go on. Something needs to happen in this hour that will bring a resurrection and a revolution in the hearts and minds of people that somebody will stand up and say, I'm tired of living in darkness. I refuse to let my life be controlled by darkness. I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to make a stand and I'm going to bring some light back in to my life. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Give Him praise right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hezekiah is a witness and a testimony that no matter what your background or my background may be, any one of us can break a curse if we want to. Any one of us can break a curse if we want to. You can start over. You can begin again. You can have that eighth day, that resurrection day. Amen. You can have that opportunity that no matter what the surroundings may seem to be at the moment, if you make the right decisions, if you do the right things, you can turn any situation around. We do not know where it began. Many believe it was because of the influence of his mother. For when he came to reign, the only name that's mentioned in conjunction with Hezekiah was his mother, who was a daughter of Zechariah, who was of the priesthood. So evidently, somewhere back down the line, a mother started putting something into a son. Son, I'm just telling you that what you see in your father is not what God wills for your life or our life. And what you see going on in this nation is not what God called us to be. He didn't call us to live in darkness. He called us to be a people of light. He has made it a part of our worship from the very beginning of time that light be a involved in our worship and I want to tell you I want to tell you Hezekiah that if you will make a difference you've got to start where you can and when you can and so he did 
I will not allow this to go on. I will not be influenced by this. He said, I will not live this way anymore. I will not allow my father's footsteps to be what I fall into and finish. Great was the peril of which he came to. It was exposed to every kind of evil and immoral. But Hezekiah saw that all of their troubles had one root. And that was there was an absence of light in their life. And if he could get that light burning again, it didn't matter how bad the other situations were. They were incidental to this one thing. That if you can turn this around, you can change every other phase of life. Amen. It has to start here. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how much money you have or how little money you have. You're never going to start a revolution or a revival unless you start right here in this place with the spiritual matters of life. And the first thing you've got to make sure of is there's light in your life. Amen. I mean bright light. I mean shining light. I don't mean just a glimmer or a flicker. I don't mean something that's here and there and come and go. I'm talking about something that's trimmed and maintained. And morning and evening there was an effort made to make sure that light does not go out and it doesn't grow dim because my life depends on it. My spiritual destiny is is wrapped up in whether or not that light stays burning. And when we come to a place that we understand that more than I need a song or more than I need talent. I need God to let light shine in my life because light's what's going to lead me out. It's what's going to bring understanding to my life. It's going to bring wisdom to my life. It's going to help me make wise decisions. It will help me get my life back on track. Light. Everybody say light. 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 Hezekiah decided that what that world needed was light. They didn't need some crafty little program, some social renewal program. They needed light. They needed somebody to get back to the tabernacle, clean it up, temple at this stage, and clean it up and get some light burning so that when men came, they could see. They could see the things that needed to be done. You know, when you live in darkness... You get used to living with a lot of stuff. I dare you to go into the darkest room in your house when you get home today. I mean one of those rooms that doesn't ever get very much light. And you go in and when you turn the light on, you hit it and lick it and move on. I dare you to go in there and just take a spotlight and turn it on. Because that light... Is going to reveal that this place is not as clean as I wanted to think it was. It's not as kosher as it ought to be because there's something about darkness that allows us to pass over the things that should not be there. And so in our culture, that's the reason we have degenerated to where we are. I'm not blaming a president. I'm not blaming a, 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 a party, a Democratic or Republican party. I am blaming ministries around the world that have taken the Word of God and they have become so afraid to preach the Word 
that we have to water it down and we have to make it milk toast and we have to make it comfortable and we've got to make it adaptable to our social structure and we can't offend anybody. We can't put anything out there that will make anybody feel uncomfortable. Let me tell you something. That's part of what the Word is supposed to do. It's supposed to make... That's what light does. It exposes. It shows. It tells me... This is where you need to work. This is what you've got to fix. This is where you're weak. This is where you need to move to. And it is only when I have light in my life that I can truly begin to make progress and become the person that God wants me to be. And I am troubled today at how little light is shining in our world. I don't know if there's any shining in our nation right now. But if there's any hope for our nation... It's right here. You hear me? If there's going to be a turnaround in our nation, if there's going to be a revival in our nation, if there's, and do you understand that all it would take for God to turn this situation around would be for the wind of the Holy Ghost to start blowing like it did in the 1900s? Do you realize? I, hold on a second. I don't think any of us understand how wicked the world and how wicked the environment of early America was. I've been listening to the life of our early uh, uh, settlers and, and many of the people who became the explorers and the mountain men. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most embarrassing, debauched lifestyle you've ever read in your life. There was no morality. They didn't want a preacher anywhere. There was drunkenness on every hand. It got so bad that the military had to ban alcohol because of what it was producing in the nation and in the world in which they were trying to bring a birth, a nation to birth. And it was in that environment at the turn of the century that the Holy Ghost began to move in Topeka, Kansas, and a spirit began to sweep through America that has turned our nation upside down. And the reason we have the liberty we have today is because somebody somewhere said, you know what, we've got to get back to the temple. We've got to get back to the tabernacle. We've got to get some light shining here. We've got to have some light in this place. Oh, God, help us. I am challenged by what his life shows us can be true. That no matter how wicked the environment, no matter how evil the times, or how dark it may be, if you make the right moves, things can change. If you begin at the right place, things can change. Now hear me. Rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic are not going to change the outcome of the Titanic. And so much of our life is spent just rearranging. Hey, you need to get off that boat. It's going down. You need to get off that boat. It's sinking. You, you rearrange all of it all you want to. Make it look a little nicer, more conducive, a little warmer. Don't you just feel it? And that's what the world has done to the church. It has kept rearranging things to make us feel a little better about it. Well, it's not as bad as it looks. It is as bad as it looks. It's worse than it looks. 
I said it's worse than it looks. I'm not being a pessimist or a negative preacher. I'm just here to try to get some light burning. I'm here to try to help some of us understand that if we don't let the light shine in us, the world we live in is doomed and it will never find hope. But if somebody will make up in their mind, you know what, I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how evil the times are. I'm going to let a light shine in my life. I want to be in a place where the light shines. I don't want to come to a place where the Word of God has to be watered down and tempered to fit my ego or my times or whatever else. I don't want it tempered to somehow pat me on the back and massage me and make me feel that I'm better than I am. I want somebody to step in a pulpit and say, you know what? It's time to repent. You know what? It's time to cry out to God. You know what? It's time to pray. It's time to reach out to God. It's time to get serious about living for God. Come on, let's praise Him right now. Oh, God, help us this morning. When you begin in the right place, you can turn anything around. Amen. If you turn yourself around, you can turn other things around. If you will turn your heart in the right direction, something good will happen in your life. Because it started a revival and a restoration to that nation that lasted for several years. All because a young man decided, I'm not following in the footsteps of my dad. I am not going to be like that. I need light in my life. You know, other people may be satisfied living in darkness, but I don't want to live in darkness. I don't ever want to get to the place that I, I can wink at evil and just. I want to be in the place where these things shock me. Still, I'm, I'm telling you, I person, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking. I'm talking about me. I am worried about myself because some of this stuff doesn't shock me anymore, and I want it to. Because if it doesn't shock me, the less of a shock it is to it, the more of an acceptance there is in my own life of that very thing. I want it to shock me. I want to feel shame when I do wrong. I want to feel something inside of me cringe when I do something I'm not supposed to do. And I want something to quicken in my mind and say, that's not what a child of God does. That's not the way a son of God acts. That's not how you treat other people. I don't want to ever get to the place that I can run roughshod over people and cuss them and tell them whatever I want to tell them and then go about raising my hands and act like I'm worshiping God. I want light in my life. And light is going to shine into my heart and show me that that's not acceptable to God and I'm not going to let my life be ruled by those things that take down. I want to be ruled by what lifts up. I need light. Everybody say we need light. We need it desperately. We need it now. And light started a revival all because this young man was willing to do what he did. There are many influences that cause the light to go out in people's lives carnality, just, you know, just giving in to the flesh. You know, as, I hate to say this, but as spiritual as some of us look, all it takes is just a little slipping here and there, and you'd be shocked at what your carnality would do, what my carnality would do. It wouldn't take a whole lot. 
There's nothing more wicked in the world than a backslidden, spirit-filled person. Nothing. You mark it down. Nothing more wicked than a backslidden, spirit-filled person. And I don't want, I don't want my, my last days to be spent. Well, we did the best we could. We, 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 we did the best we could. We held out to the end. I grew up hearing a song, Hold the Fort, for I am coming. I'm tired of holding the fort. <laughs> I want to take the fort. I'm, I'm tired of just talking about, if I, I heard people testify when I was a kid, pray that I will just make it to the end. I thought, good Lord, is it going to be that hard to be saved? If it's that hard, I'll never be saved. I don't want to just make it in. I want to be swept in. I want to be caught up. <laughs> yeah, I, I want the Holy Ghost to catch me up. I want it to take me to another world because I have been watching and I have been many influence. Carnality. I got off on that. Carnality. We all have it. And it shows up sometimes more than we want it to. It showed up in the Corinthian church. Boy, did it ever. Showed up in spirit-filled place. Yeah, carnality. Carnality. Just living by the dictates of the flesh rather than that of the spirit. Carnality. It's being more worried about what somebody's going to think about you on Facebook than what God thinks about you in His sanctuary. It's being more concerned about liking something out there. And you know what shocks me? I'm not on Facebook, but every once in a while people share things with me. I'm glad I'm not on Facebook because you probably would hear a raven maniac preaching every Sunday. But I have been shot to my toenails at things that I have heard people in this city like on Facebook. They see some immoral, ungodly, half-dressed woman and they like it. I want to tell you what's wrong. The light has gone out. Because if there's a light burning, you would understand that God has always had a problem when men become nude and unclothed. And He has something against those that love that kind of lifestyle. And for me to love that or like that, or somebody says something disparaging about somebody else or backhand. You know how they do it. They don't say it, but they say it. That's not in my notes, I promise you. <clears throat> they, they have a way of backhanding the church or backhanding people in the church. 
And listen to me, folks. There's no perfect people in this building. None of us are without shame and embarrassment. So don't ever get on a high horse and think, well, I can judge somebody because I, I've been around this all my life. I don't care if you've been around it since Shep was a pup. That doesn't make you any better than any of us. And you all have the same flesh that I have. And I don't understand people that would despair somebody else or backhand them because they've struggled or they've stumbled. This ought to be a place where the stumbler can come and the broken can come and the hurting can come and know that somebody's going to pick them up. Somebody's going to put them on their feet. Somebody's going to help them. Somebody's going to encourage them. Somebody's going to lift them up. My God. Come on, stand to your feet or I'm going to keep preaching. And they like that kind of stuff. You know what that tells me? Light's not burning very bright. You may not have come to Sunday school or church expecting this. So you want to do something different, there's places on down the road if you want to go. They'll give you coffee when you come in too. I'm not being despairing, but I'm just telling you. The only thing that's going to turn this place around in our city, in our hearts, in our homes, our situations is light. And if we would be honest with ourselves today, some of us would have to admit that the light has grown a little bit dim. It's gone a little bit dim. We've not been as careful about tending that. We've not been as careful about making sure that it stays burning. One of the problems of the lamps, the globe, if they did not trim the wick, The way it was made, it, it could keep burning forever until the oil burned out because of the way it was constructed. But if they didn't go in in the morning and trim the wick, that as that wick began to grow, just like a candle, what happens when you've got a candle that's got a wick about that long on it and you burn? It's got this big old long flame, but then you've got all this smoke and soot that comes up off the top of it. And so it would, it would fill the globe. It didn't put out the light. It just diminished it so that you couldn't see as clearly and you couldn't see the things that you really needed to see. You know, the reason the Lord wanted light in His tabernacle is because He wanted certain things to be highlighted. There was a brazen altar. There was a table of shoe bread. There was the altar of incense. All of those things pointed to Him. That in Him was everything we need. Forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, compassion, long-suffering. Everything that was needed is found in Him. And so God wanted light so that when you come in, you can see that. There's no question when you come into the house of God that that's what is important. His mercy endures forever. What's really important is that the bread still there. That represents the Word of God. What's still important is that Aaron's rod is there that budded in the presence of the Lord. There's power in this place. There's anointing in this place that can help break a yoke, that can help me overcome any kind of problem in my life. And I have to have light. I have to have light. An unrepentant attitude. And that light grows down. 
an unforgiving spirit. And that light grows dim. Jealousy. And the light grows dim. Bitterness. And all those things affect us. All those things surround us. I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to pinpoint your problem or my problem. I'm just trying to help you understand. We've got to have light. We've got to have light. And you know what? When the light comes up, sometimes it is embarrassing what you see. But the great thing about the tabernacle and the temple was it didn't matter. That wasn't what was important. What was important was what was there. The presence of God. The love of God. The mercy of God. The help of God. The direction. The cleansing. Everything that people needed was found there. And all of that overshadowed their uncleanness. Can you imagine the stench of blood? I don't know if you've ever smelled drying blood, but it's a, it's a gut-wrenching smell. There was so much blood around the altar, the brazen altar, because of the sacrifices that went up every day that the stench of that place had to be unimaginable. And yet God had a remedy for that. He had incense that would be burned at all times. During the morning and the evening, incense was burning, which was a type of worship. And that incense and the sweet savor of that incense covered the stench of that blood. So that when you came to the house of God, you saw the sacrifice, but what you smelled was the sweet fragrance of the presence of God. So it doesn't matter how bad life is. When you come here, there's something about your worship that helps cover over and mask the unclean, the unpleasant things that life has brought to you. When you come in here and you begin to praise Him, something happens. Oh God, give us light. We need it. We need understanding. We need wisdom. We need a bright light to shine. Amen. I don't even know how to close today. I... I'm run out of time. We need it. We, we need to get in there and do some work on lamps. We, if the heart has become accustomed, it, I don't know. Maybe nothing's wrong. Maybe you're okay. Maybe everything's kosher and cool, and and you don't know who I'm preaching to. Well, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to me. I'm just telling you that in the world we live in, I have become way too accustomed to the darkness that surrounds us. And I don't like that. I want something, something that will bring up the level of my living. I want the power of the Holy Ghost to shine in my life. I don't know if there's anybody in here that feels that same way, but if there's anything in you that hungers for more light, would you just very quickly slip out from where you are and meet me here at this altar? Just come and stand. Just come and just stand here before the presence of the Lord. Amen. Lord, we need you. We've got to have you. We need light.